Hi, I'm Tom Luna. I'm a former school board member. I was privileged to serve as senior advisor to U.S. Secretary of Education, Rod Page. I also had the honor of serving for eight years as Idaho State Superintendent of Public Instruction. During that time, I also served as president of the Council of Chief State School Officers. One thing I have learned in all these experiences is that educating children is not rocket science, it's more complicated. On my podcast, Swimming Upstream, we will visit with courageous leaders who challenge the prevailing tide and inspire all of us to swim against the current. Let's jump in. Welcome back to another episode of Swimming Upstream, and uh, I'm your host, Tom Luna, and today we are at Excel and Ed, uh, where hundreds and thousands of educators from across the country, I think there's educators here from 48 states and two or three U.S. territories, but the real focus is on uh, coming together and finding ways and uh, to improve education for kids across the country and uh, looking at the system that we currently have in a post-pandemic world and how do we move this system forward to help more kids uh, do better in more different areas. And so today uh, uh, here at Excel and Ed, we are visiting with Debbie Critchfield. Debbie was just elected the state superintendent of public instruction in the great state of Idaho, my home state. <laughs> And so I'm so excited to be able to visit with her uh, today. And uh, Debbie, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Debbie, we, earlier we had, we were visiting with the state superintendent of South Carolina that was recently elected. And I was mentioning to the, to the uh, folks listening that, uh, you know, it was a little over a week ago, we all went to the polls and we voted for U.S. senators and U.S. congressmen. In about 32 states, they voted for governor. But in seven states, they also voted for their state superintendent of public instruction. Uh, and Idaho was one of those. Uh, most uh, uh, folks that lead departments of education are appointed by governors or boards, but there's 12 states that actually elect them. Idaho's one. And uh, you were recently elected. Yes. And it's, it's a good feeling to be on the side of the election. Yeah. 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 It's over. I, I can tell you, folks, <laughs> since I live in Idaho and I pay a lot of attention to this race because it's near and dear to my heart. Nobody worked harder oh, than you well, did in that campaign. That. And I, I, I think the story I've heard is that the day after the election, so probably no sleep. <laughs> no. You were already on a plane heading north. This is true. Yeah. To, to visit with the, uh, the state uh, school boards. The school boards association. Yeah. Such an important conference and, and an opportunity to have your elected school trustees, business managers, superintendents, and others, and um, listen and learn along with them, hear what they're looking for in a state leader. And yeah, I'll sleep one day. Well, <laughs> and to, for people to understand, Idaho is a huge state. It's like 500 miles top to you bottom, to, 400 to miles side to side. to another state to get to yeah. the top of our state. Yeah, so, you have to fly yeah. to Spokane, Washington, <laughs> exactly. and then drive over or to Idaho. Or drive around. Yeah. yeah. It's so, an incredible state, but it can be challenging to get from here to there. But you're doing the right thing by getting there. Well, so it's good exciting. For you. And I, you know, I, I want to be present. I want to uh, listen and I want people to see that I'm interested in what they're doing and how to support that. So uh, talk about that fact. It's, 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 a, it's a, a leadership trait about that you're present, yeah. that people know they're being heard. Why is that important? Well, intuitively, we know, but talk about. Yeah. So I guess I've got a couple of perspectives on why I believe this. One, having been a locally elected school board member for 10 years, there there were edicts. It felt like edicts that were handed down from the state, people that never at least at that time, um, 
there wasn't an engagement yeah. of, and, and this is predates you. And so <laughs> <laughs> that, that you, you feel like, uh, no one's listening. Okay. Well, I can see what the idea was, but that doesn't exactly translate, you know, to what we're doing. And, uh, and so I, I carried that with me and then having a perspective on the state board of education, being someone who made the policy, former president of the state board yes, of ed. And so that, so it was, two sides of this coin. Well, at one point I was someone who had to live with the policies that were, um, decided upon. And then you're the person who is making the decisions on the policy and thinking about what, what does that look like when you go into rural Idaho and, and what are the differences there? And so for me, that's a priority that, that I want folks to know that when decisions are made there, there's an assurance that I will have listened, traveled, understood. And I cannot think of a better learning experience than what I've had over the campaign trail in the last 18 months than, than going into every place you could possibly think of. I purposely started on the outside and worked my yeah, way in. Yeah, what are smart. all those small towns and what is it like in a one hall school, K-12, 150 kids compared to something in, a, in the largest uh yeah. I, Idaho is very diverse. And, uh, you know, there's always conversations about rural uh, parts of America. Yeah. And I, I think there's like seven different definitions of rural. Mm -hmm. And every part of Idaho fits one of those definitions, sure. even Boise. Right. Well, that's true. But I used to tell people there's rural and then there's remote and isolated. Uh -huh. And there are parts of Idaho where we're delivering education for less than a dozen kids Absolutely. in a community that it's not easy to get to. So, so let's talk a, a few moments about the fact that we have kids that um, deserve the same equal access and opportunity. And how do we deliver that to them? I think that that's a statewide discussion that we want to have at the legislature because as the appropriators, as I bring forth budget priorities, how we target those problems uh, is at the top of my list. Having raised my family, my children attended a rural public school. I understand what limited choices look like. I understand how you have less of an opportunity to attract and keep experienced teachers. Rural Idaho feels very much like the training ground for people. Once a teacher starts to really get good at their craft, then they move on to somewhere else, a, a bigger district. The bigger district poach them. Absolutely. There's a, a feeding uh, yeah. chain there. And so looking at ensuring, I guess, that students dependent upon your zip code. Uh, well, if you live here, you're, you're going to have access to programs and teachers and facilities and, and, and. But if for whatever reasons your family is a rancher or a farmer, which is a, a fantastic career to have and a great way of living, that shouldn't automatically mean that you're going to get a subpar education. Yeah. So you're coming into office. You'll take office in January, but uh, you're coming into office with probably as much... Um, I don't want to say tension, but uh, not and it's because it's not tension between people. But you're coming in at a time that's unprecedented. I'll put it that way. We're post pandemic, our NAEP scores show that across the country, um, children have lost um, what they've learned in the past. You know, we've lost a couple decades of yeah. learning gains. Uh, we're all you're also facing teacher shortages. Uh, parents want more say and more empowerment. 
That's a, I, I thought I had a lot on my plate when I came into office. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a good I, thing we, we I didn't went through talk a recession to you before I decided yeah. to run. No, I, I, I was very aware of what I was getting into and 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 excited to work with people working with the legislature. I think that that's been an element that's been lacking. Yes. And uh, when you have a, a, a state school leader that is elected to be the advocate and to be the champion and you go and you work with the people who appropriate the money and, and pass the laws. My experience has been that the legislative side of this process, they are looking for a leader. Absolutely. Help us know what those priorities should be. And, and I think, you know, having a, um, an opportunity for parents to feel as though they're more included in the system. I'm a parent, you're a parent, I'm yeah. now a grandparent. And, and I understand and, and have felt those frustrations when you would like to, to have more of a say, what does that look like? I'm very excited about the opportunity to support our local districts in engaging our parents and the community at large. I'm very excited on creating more opportunities for businesses and industry within regions, within communities to also feel that open door with school boards. And so I guess um, when, I, when I look at the challenges ahead, um, I'm optimistic and I think here's great opportunities for us to really create and craft the system that we want. Yeah, we know that the most important factor of a child's education when they when they show up at school is the quality of the teacher in the classroom, Absolutely. right? Bob, I'm a huge fan of Bob Marzano and, and yes. all of his work and his research, decades of research shows this. Um, and so at the same time that we're dealing with a teacher shortage, we need high quality, effective teachers more than ever. So talk about uh, your, your plans for... Um, empowering those teachers and I guess, and dealing with the teacher shortage issue. We've known for about a decade that we were going to have a right, teacher shortage just because of an aging yeah. population. Right. But the pandemic has just amplified that and brought yeah. it on a lot quicker and a lot larger numbers than we and expected. And I think that there's, um, there's a, a respect uh, value piece in this as well. You know, there, I think that there are financial and non-financial ways that, that we look at the teaching profession. Clearly, uh, we've made progress in Idaho. We can continue to build out our career ladder, continue uh, to build uh, the, the financial side of the profession. That's important. But then there's that non-financial job satisfaction quotient that is, I believe, in some cases, even more pressing than the financial side. Teachers want to feel heard. They want to feel valued. They want to be prepared. So when I look at answering your question, you know, how are we going to do this? Well, we've got teachers that are already in the classrooms. We have got to provide the type of meaningful uh, professional development that makes sense for them, that gives them what they need for the modern classroom. And I'm also focusing on the pre-service end. I've already uh, made uh, contacts to our colleges of education to say, look, I've traveled the state for 18 months. I can confidently tell you that teachers don't feel prepared when they've, even when they've gone through non-traditional or traditional programs, we've got to do this differently because we are um, unintentionally or intentionally in some cases, you know, if you know it's not working, why are we still doing this? We've got to change how we prepare. And, and, and one of the things that I'm going to be a very strong advocate for is taking the um, student teaching aspect of your overall program requirements and moving that away from the last thing. That should not be the culmination yeah. of what you do. Perfect. So you've talked a lot about as state board uh, president uh, in the campaign and you and I have known each other for 10, 15 yeah. years. Right. And as a little side note, I we actually tried to talk you into running for this job <laughs> eight years ago when when I left office, but it wasn't the right time for you. But it's the right time now. Yeah. 
if, so that's a little that's a little side right, story yeah. there. But uh, you've talked a lot about how we rework high school, if you will. Right mm -hmm. now, oh. Idaho is one of those states that we focus a lot on what we call the go on rate. Mm -hmm. And I think go on, whether intentionally or unintentionally, took on that we're going to measure how many kids go on to primarily higher ed. Right. But we've revisited that probably right. rightfully. We're, so we're talk about your work there. All of the successes outside of high school. So I think there's a couple of aspects to this uh, question. One being our, our students in Idaho clearly want to jumpstart on their professional life of whatever that looks like while they're in high school. But I don't know that we've provided all of the opportunities for them in high school that help them to be able to do that. So I look at two numbers. One is 80% of graduating seniors in, in Idaho take at least one or more advanced opportunities, um, uh, dual credit courses that give them college credit before they graduate. But then we know that the go on rate in Idaho to a post-secondary institution is 37%. Yeah. So we've got this mismatch of kids want it, but we're not providing the thing that they want. And so I'm looking to expand and, and build upon that, but broaden it in ways that we are uh, giving credit for work experience, that we're providing um, job experiences, um, more career technical education, vocational training. And for me, it's reimagining the high school experience that it's less about seat time and less about simply knowing, but it's the application of the knowledge and getting kids experience. Kids see relevance to what they're learning. Absolutely. Rigor will take care yeah, of itself. Well, it's, well, why am I here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that one of the reasons Idaho's um, graduation rate has declined in the last four years is precisely that, that kids show up to high school and they look around and they're like, this, this is, this doesn't fit me. Yeah. Well, let's find the thing that does fit you because we want you prepared. We want you to have knowledge and education. Let's find it in the ways that excite you. Perfect. You're 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 going to serve with a governor, Governor Little, yes, who has uh, made it his priority his first four years in office when it comes to education to focus and invest heavily in early literacy. Mm -hmm. I know that's important to oh, you. Also, sure. talk about uh, what your thoughts are of uh, additional, um, uh, not necessarily funding, but additional approaches and ways to assure that children are at the right literacy level when they leave third grade. I'll just confirm that literacy is a priority for me as well. And as the co-chair of Governor Little's Education Task Force brought those recommendations forward, I believe the missing ingredient, you ha we had the money, but the money without a plan has done nothing for us. And so what's that plan? Just to say, well, we've given more money into early literacy and, and reading. Well, what? For what? What did that buy us? And, and I think that that's what our state, I know for me, that was one of the um, missing ingredients uh, for me to want to jump into this race. And so I look to now bringing the plan. We've got the money. And so now let's attach that. It has to be the science of reading, um, how we train our teachers to be reading teachers, how we engage our parents to know before the child enters school and what they can do outside of the school time. Um, how the reading is everything. Yeah, perfect. So as we as we wrap this up, uh, the election's a little over a week past. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know my personal feeling, a lot of excitement on election night 
and then waking up the next morning and thinking, <laughs> okay, here we go. So you, I you was know, like, okay, here we go. Yeah. I mean, this is why I did this. So know? talk about what the next six weeks look like between uh, the time now and when you stand on the Capitol steps yeah. in front of thousands of Idahoans and Sounds raise exciting. your arm to the square. And you're and cold because yeah, it'll be January. Yeah. But, but uh, um, it, it's an exciting opportunity. But then uh, what, what, what does it look like between now and that day? We're in full transition mode. Um, I've uh, secured, I guess if that's the right word, or identified two um, individuals that, that will handle the transition process. Um, for me, a chief of staff and a chief deputy that will come with me in January. And we're looking at the, I guess, the leadership team, getting uh, people in place, looking at Absolutely a CFO and, and doing all that. We announced uh, a 22-member transition yeah. team that we're going to break into subcommittees. The, the very things that I heard from Idahoans over the last year and a half are the 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 subcommittees and then we're going to assign people there and 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 we want people to say we have this opportunity to redesign and to establish priorities and have a plan what should that look like so i will look for that to inform how we roll everything out and 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 how we organize and so no um you know there's there's no rest for the wicked is that what they say no rest for, for the, the wicked, wicked and the and righteous, righteous don't, don't need, need it. it. So there I'm you go. Work on being righteous. <laughs> there you go. Well, Debbie uh, Critchfield, the newly elected state superintendent of public instruction uh, for the state of Idaho, the great state of Idaho. The great, the uh, state. has been our guest today. And so, one more question. Okay. Share with us one fun fact or interesting fact about Idaho that most people don't know. I learned this on the campaign trail. So Lake Ponderay, which is in the north of Idaho, uh, a beautiful uh, vacation spot as well as beautiful. a great place to live. It has the fifth, this lake is the fifth deepest lake in the country. And since the 1960s, the U.S. Navy has used that lake uh, to test submarines. The, the conditions exist. You sure you're not revealing some top secret information here? <laughs> no, you, okay. you could go Google it if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I'm sure that there are, you know, some. So there's some, there's naval uh, 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 navy. Uh, full-time Navy folks in North Idaho yeah, so they, at Lake Ponderay. And, and they test at night. Uh-huh. And, and again, there, there's all of these conditions. And, and the whole goal of what they do in this lake is to create quieter, better, without being detected submarines that they, they can then go put around the world. But the Lake Ponderay, um, and it's an, it's a, I believe it's a Native American, kind of a French spelling. So it's P E N D. O-R-I-E-L-L-E. Yeah, so L-L-E, it's yeah. not pronounced as it's spelled. Anyway, um, I as I was traveling around and, and so forth, that information got presented to me as I went across the bridge on the lake. And, and I just thought, here here we are helping, helping the defense of our country in, yeah. in little old Idaho. Another important fact about yeah. Idaho and fun fact that most people wouldn't yeah, know. Absolutely. So thanks for sharing that. And thanks for being our guest Thank on you. Swimming Upstream. And folks, Debbie Critchfield has talked to us uh, about her passion and what motivates her to swim against the current. Thanks for being on Thank the podcast so with us. Take Thank care. you. All right. Thank you for listening. And remember, our children may only be 22% of our population, but they represent 100% of our future. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. Swimming Upstream is part of the Stratagos Podcast Network. To view the entire lineup of our shows, visit our website, stratagosgroup.com.